everybody, welcome to the New Dad City Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin P. The lead up to that moment is a whirlwind of emotions. You're nervous, you're excited, so get comfortable, grab yourself a notepad if you want to take some notes. You know, it's just, it's going to be completely unexpected. Do you feel like having kids stopped, like your big plans, like why can't they be part of your dreams? This intense connection can sometimes make dads feel on the sidelines. All right, cool. Welcome back, everybody. It is Saturday, December 9th, and you know what that means. I'm here with Eric for the Empowered Homefront New Dad City podcast, and I got a good topic for Eric because, I don't know, it just seems like something Eric would like to talk about, and it's something that he will have more experience than me because he has three little kids that are older than him or older than him. When I say him, I mean Axel, my six-month-old. But um, the one thing that sparked this was I was going through through ideas today, and one thing I, I brought up to Eric yesterday for um, like a topic of discussion, I guess you could say, was uh, a kidpreneurship and, you know, spin on entrepreneurship, but uh, a little kit for kids of what they want to start and everything. And I was like, well, what kind of qualities does it take for a kid to, I guess, take on a responsibility of creating like a small business, like a lemonade stand or um, what else is Kaylee doing? A uh, babysitting business. And I was like, what kind of qualities? And I thought about how Eric teaches and I thought about what, what kind of qualities would I want to instill in my kid to start these programs, start these little businesses up. And I thought, okay, what kind of what kind of person is Kaylee? She's eleven, and what she's you know the books you've got her reading, the tasks that you've got her doing, just outstanding. And I think when it comes down to it, you are positively grooming and raising and influencing Kaylee to be a leader and not a follower. And that's the topic I want to bring tonight. Is here, like I want to propose the problem, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk back, backwards, from it. And the problem is, parents don't know how to raise children to become leaders, but instead they raise them to follow societal norms to become a follower. And I think I've actually know. I believe, and I know that Eric has a lot to say about this. So, Eric, what's up, man? Bro, you sure about this one? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I try to bring up conversation with you that you would be passionate about and that there might be a little bit of controversy in because you're not going to you can't have a good conversation without any controversy. I don't I don't think. And that brings me back to what we were talking off air prior that quote that I heard Jordan Peterson say was in order to think or to, you know in order to think you must risk being offensive. So like I kind of tied that in to like what topic do I want tonight, and not it's not saying you'll necessarily be offensive, but um, this ties into the whole thing of it, what my goal is in life is now is to get out of the nine to five norm, get out of that corporation, be take on those entrepreneurial roles, working with you, doing my thing with the podcast, doing the empowered home front thing, and you know all the other things that I'm in. I'm slowly getting involved with with you, but. 
I, I was a follower for so long. I just did my nine to five. I woke up, brushed my teeth, ate my food, went to the gym. And granted, I did things healthily for the most part, you know, post sobriety. I mean, I still am sober, but like post, you know, when I got sober and stuff like that. But the one thing that I always lacked was, I guess, being a leader or leadership skills. I can stand out. I know I have the qualities of it. And I think I'm slowly starting to adapt those into my life with this new, what would you call it? Awakening. I think you called it breaking out of the matrix a few episodes ago, which was pretty funny. But um, I guess, so So my first my first thing I, w- I want, want you to talk about, Eric, and you know, this is a learning experience for me too. So like I can take some of the things and obviously sprinkle in discussion here and there. But the one thing I kind of wrote down was, um, redefining leadership for the next generation the the message i feel like this fits right into what empowered homefront their the vision is for that what they want to what empowered homefront wants to you know bring the the american family back to the dinner table and be free thinkers be free of the chains of society and the government and all that stuff and um i guess you know what does leadership mean today in modern society how does and how do you think that compares to like before you know i guess back in the day <laughs> but um um i uh, i guess you could start off by by talking about you know what leadership qualities do you think that you're instilling you know into your kids i, I guess kaylee can be like a good example since she's the one that's doing these businesses and stuff like that and I mean, I guess you could even start off with what's what's your definition of a leader? So I guess go ahead and take it away. Yeah. So even before we open up, like getting to a child being a leader or even a man being a leader or a woman being a leader, like even before we get to those conversations, like first parenting as a whole, like what does that mean? Right. Because if you if you you can either raise your kids and spoil your grandkids or you can spoil your your kids and raise your grandkids and you see that yeah yeah i love love that you see that play out so much nowadays man um We're, we're like, you know, our generation, I mean, I'm a millennial. We're, we're both millennials, right? And if you look at it from a, from a big picture, I understand why my father made the decisions he made raising me. Um, he didn't know what he didn't know. And he was told that your son or me, right? Like, hey, my dad's name is Timmy, right? So he's like, hey, Timmy, your son needs to get an education. You need to do whatever you can to get an education because you worked with your hands your entire life. That's what you did, right? And that Mm -hmm. my father's generation, like your parents' generation, you know, that's what they did. They did manual labor. And since they did manual labor, they also inherited this concept of 
I want my child not to do manual labor. And in order to not do manual labor, they have to go out and they get to get got to get a higher education. And the only thing they understood for that higher education is college. Well, at the time, if you go back and you look through history and you look at what's actually being created, what it was, was marketing. They were being marketed to in order for colleges to make money. Because without that marketing and telling our parents that in order to raise children who do not go out and work and slave and do these things with their hands, then you should get a higher education and send them to college, 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 college. And that was just repeated over and over again, man. You know? And yeah, my uh my mom cut has cut hair since she was fifteen years old. Yeah. And then my dad has been a jack of all trades, but mainly a boiler mechanic for his whole life. And my mom preached college, college, college. So I know exactly where you're coming from with that. And what's funny is I failed out of college and ended up in the trade business with air traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a choice, right? And absolutely, choices never change, man. Like, you know, what's crazy, like, I, I mean, I read a lot of books and a lot of these books were written like in the early 1900s and like even before that. And what I'm realizing is, dude, like they're talking about things that has not changed. It's just we think that we live in a time that's so unique, but it's mm -hmm. not right. Like the times have all been the same. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is outside influencers influencing parents who influence children who grow up to be parents who influence their children. And it's this revolving circle. And because of this revolving circle, if I, have a life where I sweat every day, my hands bleed, and that's I, I don't enjoy it, you know. And I'm just like, I look at my kids and I'm like, I don't want you to have to go do those things. Well, now mm -hmm. I'm gonna look for answers to not let my kid do that, which could be education. And then I'm gonna go, hey, you need education, you need education. Then my kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna go get an education and then they're gonna come out and they're gonna be in debt. Yep. And then they're going to be getting paid 40, 50 K a year if they're lucky and they're going to be in debt and then they're going to have children. And then they're going to be like, Hey, um, education's good, but maybe you should go the technical route or maybe you should go back to education or maybe you should do the military. Right? Like we don't know because we're here right now, right? Like right now we're yeah. looking at the side effect of education, 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 but what you do see, I know in my world, is entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is super big, like shiny object syndrome right now um, of people. And, I mean, not many entrepreneurs are successful, right? It's, it's hard, which you're starting to see a little bit about it, right? Like, it's not easy. It's way easier just to show up and collect a paycheck. Yeah. Right? Um, I think a lot of people want to go the easy route because they see that they can – I think we discussed this before. People take the easy route, one, because it's in the definition. It's easy. And you don't have to put much effort into it. And you got to figure, if you're living at your means, most jobs are going to pay. Like you, Most people are okay living the paycheck to paycheck because they're like, okay, I covered rent. Okay, I covered you know, bills. And well, even like, the paycheck to paycheck concept, dude. Like There's multimillionaires, and they still live paycheck to paycheck. 
right? Like that really has to be defined more because it really depends on where you live at, what your lifestyle is at, right? And what all this comes down to is, is what principles, values, and standards do you have as a, as an individual Mm -hmm. that will determine everything because an individual with the correct principles, values, and standards can live, you know, like a millionaire on 50 grand a year. Mm-hmm. But then a millionaire who makes a million dollars a year will live like someone who makes 50 grand a year making a million dollars a year with the wrong principles, values, and standards. Yeah. You know? It's like the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're talking about, though, is skill stacking. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you look at the statistic of lottery winners, you know, and like they all of a sudden become multimillionaires. And then, I mean, you look at the statistics and it'd be cool to like actually pull those up. But, you know, I think it's said often that majority of the time, like there's an extremely high percentage of all lottery winners come back in a worse situation than they were before they won the lottery. You know, and that's called the financial thermostat, right? So a person's financial thermostat will really determine if they can handle those monies, right? So like for me, um, like I believe in God, right? I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. And I think that if um, you become a good steward of money, then God will bless you. Mm -hmm. What does it take to become a good steward of finances, of money, of wealth, Right. Well, you've got to understand how to handle it, how to be responsible, how to manage it. Right. How to multiply it, how to make it. Right. Um, nothing's given to us. But if we can take skills and we if we can fail really, really quick, multiply those skills and along the way, we'll end up capitalizing on a skill that will make a lot of money. Um, and then we have to learn more skills that has to be multiplied in order to keep that money. And then we've got to learn more skills that would be multiplied in order to continue to grow and multiply that money. So there's actually three different phases right here that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So as children, as we raise our children, you know, we got to keep that in mind. It's like, okay, um, I don't want you to have the life that I have. Or I want you to have a better life that I have. Or um, I don't want you to be better than me, which also happens. Right? Yeah. But, you know, but there's three different paths right there that the parents can take. Yeah. Um, um, I pulled up that stat, by the way. That was a quick Google search for the lottery. Yeah. So was it this was written in 2018. So the National Endowment for Financial Education, the NEFE, N-E-F-E, um, they denied that 70% of lottery winners end up bankrupt within the first five years. But the, the uh, statistic that they agreed with is that lottery winners are more likely to declare bankruptcy within three to five years and that nearly one-third of lottery winners declare bankruptcy. And it's crazy as they broke down the percentage of the people's uh, salaries, the incomes. You said, dude, you had it. You said it right at the beginning. I think you said 50, 55. So 55% of those who play lottery games once a month have incomes of 55 uh, grand. 
um, 44%. Uh, is about 55. And that's uh, another study. They said 44%. And then, what's that? 20%. Oh, what the fuck? 20% of the lottery players around the nation, so 20% of the people who play the lottery, account for 71% of the lottery income. Dude, how so one 20 people out of 100. So 20%. Yeah. So if 20 people out of 100 people were playing the lottery, so all 100 people are playing the lottery, 20 of those account for 71% of the lottery income. So those other 80% of people account for 29% of the lottery income. So how much fucking money are those people dropping? And then this is crazy, dude. This is where like this is where money can sicken some people. Americans as a whole, I think this is supposed to be a B. They missed it. Uh, oh, never mind. Sorry. The average American spends over two hundred dollars on lottery tickets each year. And if you do the math, I think North Carolina pools. Three times a week. I think they do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I played the lottery w- once, like when I turned like 21. And I think I played it like once last year just because I went by the machine and I had a dollar in my pocket. And I was like, yeah, fuck it, whatever, you know? Yeah. So what's that? So you have 52 weeks times three times a week. That's $156 you would, pe- you would buy one ticket with. So people are almost paying double that. That's insane yeah it's that it's that hope too man like it's crazy uh you know earlier today when we was talking about like you know people are like cats dude i still like that. yeah <laughs> can you can you uh, talk about that analogy real quick i liked it yeah so with people understanding the psychology of them at a very basic level and if you compare them to like a cat so like if a cat sees a closed door and they have no reason to be behind that door. They don't know what's behind the door, um, but they just know that they want to go behind the door. And people are the exact same way, right? And then all of a sudden you open the door, you let the cat in the door or in the room, and then you shut the door, the cat's fine because now they're in this mysterious way, like place. But then all of a sudden, if you go into the room, the cat wants out of the room and he wants in the other room where the door is shut and he has no clue what's over there. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what I was telling you, you know, it's like you look at like Harry Potter and all these like successful series and Seinfeld's like they, they um, leave that mysterious way and that's what they're playing off of. Right. They're playing off that emotion of I'm so curious what's behind that door and the lottery what's behind yep. that door yep. right it's just like you said like a dollar you're like ah oh, it's just a dollar like to me dude i've never played lottery like ever like i can't make I, sense of it i've done it just to say it it's for me it was just like i did it just to say i did it you yeah, know I just not do it. I, I found no harm in spending the crinkled dollar that was went through the washer probably two or three times in my pocket and i was just like here you go take my dollar <laughs> nope Never. But I did. But the thing is, is after I played it, I didn't understand it. I was just like, you just pick random numbers and hope to win like this, you know, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. It's like, 
there's like the chances of it. You're going to die. Most like you're going to die before you win. Most likely like the chances of it are insane. Like they give you the percent, you know, it's crazy. It's on the back of the tickets. They give you the chance, the odds of hitting. And I was just like, I flipped it back and I was like, I did this as a joke. <laughs> Why do people do this seriously? Yeah, it was the risk versus the reward because they look at it. Yes. Oh, it's just a dollar. Oh, it's mm-hmm. ten dollars, and mm-hmm. they don't look at it over time. And yeah. Instead, they're just like, you know, I just invest, you know, five ten dollars a week or a month or whatever that is. Like, it's not that much money, and it's not that much money to that person that one time. But then mm-hmm. over a year to that person, what could they have done if they would just took that ten dollars a month and put it somewhere else? Right. Mm -hmm. But then to the actual state who's collecting all that money, that one person who did that multiplied by millions or thousands, however many people plays the lottery, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And then there's no overhead to it, right? Or very low overhead. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know what it, you know, takes to run a (laughs) lottery thing, but I mean it's not like there's people, right? It's just a piece of paper. Yeah. You go to a machine and literally yeah. Punch, your, punch your numbers in. There's no regulation on it. The only regulation is you have to scan your driver's license and it validates whether you're of age or not. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. crazy. But, but back um, to the kids, though, man, like, because um, mm-hmm. we're unpacking all this stuff. And the question was about what what does it take to, like, raise a kid to do things? And that's where, like, as a parent, you really need to sit down and think what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what do you want for your kid? Because yeah. the earlier you can start having them do skill stacking, mm-hmm. the better off they're going to be, 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 right? So, like, my principle is, what if, and I've told my dad this, like, multiple times, and I was just like, man, what if you would have just taught me all your failures prior to me leaving the house, and then I didn't have to go out and make those same failures? Yeah, like yeah, and, and it's more so instead of, hey, this is where I fit. This is where I messed up. Don't you know? Like my mom did it a little bit. Then I think she thought that she messed up by getting a trade and like cutting hair and stuff. She's like, that's where I failed. So you need to go to college because I couldn't afford it. That's always the justification. I couldn't go to college because my parents. Couldn't well, I mean, the only it, reason so you, you to should go. go to college though is. If you, the college thing is required to do it, because yeah. they're not going to teach you the skills to do the thing, Mm-mm. right? The experience that you're going to get doesn't matter, right? So unless you're going to become like a doctor that's a surgeon or something, or a lawyer that's where it's required to do it, like college makes no sense. I don't understand it. Yeah, I didn't at the time when the, I went either. Yeah, you can spend the same amount of time, two, three, four years, go work for somebody. And work for free, and you'll come out better off, you yeah. know, by the time you do it. Because, like, if you work for somebody for two years for free, like, you'll in- eventually get hired there, and, like, you're the same. Versus getting student loans where you're going in debt. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. But anyway, it goes back to that marketing thing. Um, hey, yeah, you're tying into the next thing I wanted to bring up, so keep going. Yeah, so with, with kids... As parents, sit down and like reflect, 
right? Because, like I said, um, what if my dad could could have taught me all the mistakes that he made where I didn't have to go out and make them again? But instead, he didn't, and his mistakes were never talked about. Instead, like his wins were talked about because I could see his wins. And that's majority what parents do, right? They mm-hmm. only show wins. They don't show losses. Um, so th- I think as parents, like that needs to be done more. And then second to that, um, as we're talking about failures, well, sometimes the kids have to go through a similar circumstance to really learn that mistake that was made. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like, you know, what does it take to make money in business, right? Like, you need a sales department, you need a marketing department, and you need a distribution department, right? So, you need to uh, market the product, go find your leads, and then you need somebody to sell, right? To talk to those leads, and then you need to figure out how to get the product to those clients, right? So, those are three core fundamentals of a business. What can a kid do at a young age that will mimic those departments, right? Like volunteering, right? Like it's, that's a lot of things out there, man. Like church, like just being in church and just getting and becoming a part of church is huge because there's opportunities to market. There's opportunities to sell. There's opportunities to distribute, distribute, right? Like, and now if you have conversations with your kid and point out the things, well, now they're going to be more aware. Mm-hmm. Then you can get a kid at the age of eight, seven, six, actually talking about those things at a decent level, right? What did you What did you tell me earlier that um, Kaylee had set up in a week? I think it was like in a week she, she had like a sort of like a oh, business yeah, yeah. meeting. Um, no, nah, she actually uh, built her first um, VSL. It's a video sales letter. Um and all this was done on her own. But like this feels this feels weird to me, honestly, like stroking on my own kid. Um, no, I wanted you to do that. One of the things, but. Well, no, 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 because you shouldn't feel. I mean, you, you feel however you want to feel. But the the reason why I wanted you to talk about it is because you I don't know anybody else who does this with their kids. So as far as the discussion goes you're in you're technically an outlier compared to everybody else that i know that has kids and that's not that's not a negative thing but you're like you're the odd man out which makes you stick out more which makes you more interesting which is why i want you to talk about it because nobody else is doing this and i i agree with what you're teaching your kids and the one thing that i think that you do the most than a lot of other people. I'm not discrediting other parents or anything. If that's how you want to raise your kids, that's how you want to raise your kids. That's on you. That's, you know, more power to you. What I think you do is you don't give your kids, you don't give your kids an out or like an answer, or you don't do things for them, you know, in a sense. Um, the, the mold that I think you're breaking is you're turning your kids into critical thinkers. Yes. And critical thinking, like, like, dude, when I stopped in the, I think I talked about this on the episode before or episode ago, when I stopped in the gas station 
to grab that soda. The kid couldn't even have a conversation with me. He didn't even know how to, he, he mumbled something twice. And it's like, dude, can you not even think to like, have like a quick, Hey, hello, how you doing with somebody? And it, dude, it's, 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 it's embarrassing. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, looking at society as a whole and, you know, being in military and then FA and, you know, working with my hands, building houses, remodeling houses, all these things, man, all these people and all these interactions from all those different types of careers. Um, it's crazy how many people don't have an original thought. Like they literally do not know how to have a thought of their own. Instead, yeah. they have to be told what to think through Instagram, Facebook, TV, and that's marketing. And yeah. That's fine, like, you know, like do that. But what I want to do is I want to teach my kids that that is the way the world works and that's the way the world moves. And I want mm -hmm. them to understand you have a choice. You can either be used or be the user, right? Yes. So I want them to understand how to market, right? So, like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sharing my screen here and I've got Kaylee's website. <clears throat> which, I love that little house. Yeah, like she designed this on her own, dude. So literally I... Gave her the platform to make her website, and I'm like, Kaylee, um, this is going to be part of your your um, skill stacking. I was like, this is where we're going to take you. I was like, if you want to do the babysitting thing, and the babysitting thing, like, again, not an original idea. Like, it's nothing unique about it. Like, I think most kids go through a phase of either mowing grass or babysitting. It's a very mm -hmm. easy step to get into. And... Me and Lori actually had a big disagreement on it because Lori told me, well, she's not old enough to babysit. And I'm like, who said? Like, yeah. show me where that's in writing, right? Show me where there's something preventing her. And instead, mm -hmm. Lori's limited mindset, right? And we actually got into a heated discussion about it because like, she set me off because she made age to be about a thing that was a restriction. And to mm. me, it doesn't matter how old you are, what color you are, what gender you are. Like, none of those things are a limiting factor. They're only a limiting factor if somebody else says them. They're not written down anywhere. Yeah, there's no law or regulation against there's it. There's no that, that law or regulation. So, like, it doesn't, Dude, I was like, I was like six no watching my, I was, I was like six <laughs> watching my three year old sister when my mom stepped out of the house. You know, <laughs> yeah. So there's actually laws and regulations on that. <laughs> no, like no, like she would go outside to do like the like the oh, okay. the laundry. Like this is the, yeah. the olden days when people hung clothes up on clotheslines. Yeah, well, she was go outside. Yeah, yeah. She's like, watch your little so, sister, and there you is can handle a law it. about like what age a kid has to be in order to stay at home by themselves. Right. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. I get yeah, it. yeah. And I didn't know that either. Lori had to correct me. And I'm like, fine, there's a law for that. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but even yeah. laws are meant to be broken. Like, you know, someone was, <laughs> but anyway. All right. So you check out the website. Like, she came in and she started designing it. Right. Like, I didn't do any of this. Um, She chose the color scheme and all that stuff. Colors, she got on Canva. Right. And she made the background. She did all this. This is her sales letter that I'll play in a second, right? This is oh, her. That's awesome. Page, a page. So that I watched a little bit of that, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, dude. This is her pricing. I do ten dollars per hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Don't even don't even tell her to correct it. I love it. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. And that's the thing, right? Like this is. I think a it's huge, authentic. 
Yeah, this is well, this is a huge win. Like, I mean, as a father, this is a huge win. Let's check it out. She is so, such a sweetheart, dude. Yeah. So, like, you listen to that, like, mm -hmm. so many mistakes. Like, does she need to do it over? Like, yeah, she probably does need to do it over. But, like, I didn't tell her that. Instead, dude, like, I had tears in my eyes. Because dude, the fact that she put effort into it. Not only that, dude, I didn't even tell her to do this. She took initiative on her own to do that? Yes. I Holy did not. Cow. Make a video. She like I'm doing this for my own businesses right now, and she heard me talking about making a video to tell people about what's happening, and she just run, she ran with it. This is through osmosis, dude. This is who do you want your kids to be influenced by? <laughs> like I, I am super <laughs> dude, proud, man. I'm super. Like, oh my, thankful, I'm like, blown away. Yeah. Well, what's crazy about it? Not only does she take the initiative to do this. She mm -hmm. comes in here and she's like, Daddy, I need to make a video recording. How do I do it? And I'm like, well, the camera's right there, baby. You use my phone. Like, what do you need? And she's like, well, no, I want to do it at the computer. So I'm like, okay, well, this is Loom. And she did it on Loom. And I literally, you know, it's set up on all our computers. And I showed her. And she sat down. And I didn't even know what she was doing. <clears throat> just, Daddy, I want to make a video. Yeah, just, you know, Daddy, I want to make a video. She gets it done. <laughs> And then she shows me, she actually wrote on a piece of paper her script, right? And she planned it out and everything, right? And in the video, like, she has, we all have speech problems, right? So, like, yeah. her, she's still struggling with saying her R's, right? You can hear that a lot in her video. But at the same time, like, nothing's holding her back. She Instead of saying certified, she said notified, like, twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm CPR notified. And I was like, <laughs> I giggled bit but the, you know what's awesome too is i the one thing i noticed in the video she's practicing her her hand gestures she's like she's pra she's practicing this like she's being she's practicing it's like she knows what she's doing without knowing what she's doing yeah you yeah, know because she... people don't want to like if i'm sitting here like on like if i'm on stage just Yes, please come check out my business. You need to post on Instagram four times a day. No, somebody wants somebody animated. You know, you want to be able to follow with your eyes and keep attention. And that's what she did. I had dude, she had my attention, not because I know who she is and she's your daughter or anything, but like listening to her, she the thing was is she she was confident the whole way through. She closed the loop on her message. She used hand gestures. She planned, you could tell she planned it because you could tell she was reading from something. And it was, dude, that was, that was awesome. And now I want to say, 
Now, for anybody who's been listening, and I thought this when I initially met Eric, you can tell that Eric is not a dictator dad. (laughs) He just has high standards for his children because he wants his children to be successful. And you could see in that video, and if you're not watching the video, um, and you're just listening to the audio version, you can hear in his daughter's voice how enthusiastic she is to do that. And the fact that Eric even said that she was eavesdropping on Eric and said, you know what? I'm going to hack my dad and I'm going to go take, yeah, she, dude, she, your daughter just hacked you. She hacked me. Dang. Dude, you're raising somebody who's better than you now. Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) right. That's the goal. Be better than me. That is the goal, dude. Like literally Mm -hmm. I've, I've got, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say it publicly now. Um, I read, I wrote it down. I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, but <clears throat> Kaylee is 11, Tyler's eight and Jackson's six. Um, my goal is by the time they're all 16 for them all to have income coming in at hundred K a year on their own. At what age? Before 16. That's all. I mean, yeah, they all got, I mean, they got plenty of time, but I'm not saying wait that long, but that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so you figure that, right? Like, there's a couple of reasons I set that goal. When I told Lori that, she just, like, melted. Because she knows, like. She melted in the sense. Did she, her her first thought was, well, how are we going to do that, Eric? No, her first thought is, is like, oh, Lord, what more pressure is Eric going to put on me now? You know? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yeah, because that's that's what happens, right? Like, I'm the roller coaster. She's the carousel. And, um, yeah. like we go through this all the time and um like two years ago when i was still working air traffic you know um like that's when i came out and like i told myself i was like from now on like i will not listen to nobody that i do not want to listen to and also uh, i will never have someone else tell me that my goals are too big right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, since then, like, I mean, you're, you're part of the stuff that, you know, we're building and we're launching and, and the companies that I've got now, but, um, it's, it's crazy whenever you just remove those influences, right? Because now not only has it released me, but it's also released my children because they mm-hmm. see it, right? Even though Lori like she clearly isn't the same type of human being, like whatever drives me, like she's just not driven that away, uh, which is fine, you know, but it, does it cause issues? Like, yeah, absolutely. But that's what empowered home fronts about too. Like, it doesn't mean like we're not a good fit. It doesn't mean that we're not good husbands and wives or fathers and mothers. It just means that we need to practice our communication to address the issue that, you know, comes up. Right. So, um, with Kaylee, extremely ambitious, obviously, right? Um, and like this is her. I pulled it up. This is this is a videos of a play um, at co-op. So this is her leading it. So like, oh, there she is. I see her. Yeah, yeah. You see her in the back. Uh, yeah yeah so this play um is at co-op and she 
she made the little castle thing in the back back there. She wrote scripts out for everybody, like on poster boards. Um, oh. Now, was it used and implemented? No, but she tried, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, but at the same time, she just got experience dressing all these people. Like those are those are Kaylee's dresses, right? And Kaylee's helping dress all everybody. She came up with the roles. She came up with the scripts, right? She got everybody motivated to do it. Um, what is, what is co op? It's a homeschool thing. So like, okay, <clears throat> hold on. The video is playing. What is it? It's a homeschool thing. So like, co op has nothing to do with church. It's just a group. I don't know. This is a Lori question. I honestly have no idea. Other than it's a group thing for like homeschool moms or parents to gather. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they kind of simple, simple enough answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my point with that is in showing you like that's something else that she took initiative of, and. Mm-hmm. It's not me complimenting her or Lori complimenting her. It's the other moms that are at co-op complimenting her, telling mm-hmm. her how they love, how patient she is communicating with the kids, how she's yeah. instructing them, how she's able to, I don't, know, I don't know how many kids that is, what, 10? But she's able to get all those kids instructed and informed where they actually get in uniform and actually get up on stage and actually do some type of play. Well, they actually listen to her. Yeah. And that's leadership skills right there. Right. Now, so obviously, I mean, I've never seen this before. So this is my first time seeing this, of the stuff that she's done, like her website, her her VSL, and this co-op. Um, essentially, she's the director of this this piece. Yeah. So she's 11. If you had to take a guess or if you just outright know, at what age did you start introducing whatever to her? Did you like introduce things to her directly or did you just kind of like lead by example? Like, hey, I know daddy's always working. Hey, daddy, because I know that you have an open door policy with your kids. Your kids all come in all the time. Like, they, you know, politely, respectfully, they knock and hey, daddy, you know, type thing. Um were they always just curious and asking what you were doing? Because whenever you were renovating the houses at the one that you're at now, whenever I was coming over and helping those, you always had those kids working, yeah. you know, Hey, you're there, you know, idle hands, you know, there, there's not gonna be any of that here. And whenever, since I've known you, I've always seen your kids doing something. Even if it was like Jack, Jack, when he was like two and three, he's like walking around like Jack, Jack, go get that hammer. And he'd like, bring a screwdriver over you know, something like that. so it's like you're 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 i think from my perspective you were doing it when they were very young just with simple tasks like that and then hey you know tyler go take jack jack go do this and yeah. you know tyler's learning leadership skills because he has to be the big brother and look out for jack jack and tell him what to do so with kaylee she seems she's just very ambitious and she's very passionate about what she's doing. You can see at what age do you think she started or one, do you think you started really dialing in those character traits to her and core values and principles and beliefs and stuff on her to tr- not necessarily train her, but raise her to be like this. And at what, and when do you think she actually caught on to it? Like, what do you think was that moment where she went light bulb went off kind of like me, like this, these past few months. Yeah. Um, Cause that no, would be interesting the, if you had an answer to it. 
Yeah, I don't think it was that long ago, man. Because the 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 truth is, as bad as I hate to say it, like I made a lot of mistakes with Kaylee, right? But even though I made those mistakes, um, somehow God blessed me enough where He slowed me down and let me reflect. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I was able to try to correct those mistakes. So, <clears throat> do you think do you think you were too hard on her, or yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Because she was like the oldest or something? No, just because because I'm a <laughs> I was I was mean, dude. Like I was not yeah. a good, you know, what I mean by that is like um I was always well, I, happy. I was always unhappy with my own success. Mm-hmm. Right? And because of that, like with Kaylee um, I would see things that I didn't agree with, like in, you know, school or um, where she goes. And then, like, I would I would almost implement my own thoughts and force them on her, on Kaylee. Right. So mm-hmm. and then Lori. Right. And it was the issue is my communication. I was very aggressive communicating to my family what I was trying to get them to do and accomplish because I didn't know any better. I didn't know how I didn't have proper guidance or leadership or influences or mentor or anything like that. Right. Do you think you were just walking? Do you think you were just walking around stomping and just pointing your finger? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, dude. Yeah. Throwing things, getting mad, not knowing how to control my own anger. You know, where was the turning point for you then? Cause obviously this is an important part of the story of what I'm getting at with what how do you train your kids to be leaders because it seems like you were misguided a little bit and then where was that turning point for you um when i started reading man like i I started honestly um yeah i mean i just got you know the secret success book um and started opening up that package and that's when we i realized that like this whole journey of mine is actually way shorter than i was thinking Cause I didn't actually start reading till 33 and I'm 35. So like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and that was like the last year of air traffic. Right. So two yeah. on three years now. Um, you, you always, you always had something the last couple of years that you were there, yep. whether it was you writing or you had a, a marketing book or, yep. uh, a Dale, you know, the, how to win friends, influence people about winning the, something. Yeah, because, like, you know, I, I had to reflect on this a little bit, too, <clears throat> because when I started with air traffic, I was going down the road. Everybody else is going down, right? Um, and what what I mean, everybody, like, when you're around those environments, right, air traffic, um, military, like, a lot of drinking, a lot of, like, just, I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it, like. But that was that was definitely what was happening with me, man. I was definitely drinking really heavy. And also, I was trying to figure out. A lot of vices. Yeah, a lot of vices. There you go. Yeah. Chewing, right? Tobacco. Um, and uh, it, it goes back to I didn't know what I didn't know, right? Which is always the issue. But if we don't reflect, we can never get ahead. And I started reflecting, um, like whenever I started reading that book, right? How to, uh, how to win friends and influence people with Dale Carnegie, right? And that was like right there at thirty two, thirty three years old, 
Um, and I thought I thought that I actually got that book in my early or late twenties, whenever I first started real estate. But after reflecting on it, I was completely wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, we looked at the date and everything on it because I didn't. I thought it was much longer than that. But to answer your question, though, Kevin, it goes back to programming. So I. I picked up that book and I started reading it, reading it, and then I would not stop. Right, I bought myself headphones, and dude, I always had something in my ear. I always had reading. Like if I couldn't listen to something, I was reading it, right? Mm -hmm. Or I was writing, or I was reflecting, and that was practice. Like I was learning that skill because uh, I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And at the time. Uh, everybody I worked with, you know, was making fun of me or whatever that was, you know, like, um, you got one of them self-help books there, boy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that was, that's mind blowing though. You know, that could have honestly been the turning point for you because you've mentioned that a few times. That was definitely a big moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That moment, was, though, I didn't realize at the time. I mean, I really didn't realize that moment until I reflected on it. Like, you know, a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you got to think it wasn't, it was an innocent joke coming from somebody too. Like he didn't mean, I don't think, did he mean like, he wouldn't mean any harm by it, but it was like a joke to poke fun at you because you know, yeah, when yeah. people hear the word, when people hear the word self-help, like I've even said it, I don't like the term self-help. I don't know why I, I it just rolls off my tongue kind of, you know, but I, but it is it, it's you're helping yourself by reading these things um and when people hear that it's just like you're what self-help fuck you're trying to get better you, oh yeah okay. you prove yourself yeah yeah and i don't get it i don't get it why you why would it, anybody though. you just said it you just said that you don't like those that word self-help yeah I, I don't like the term i don't i don't like the term for those kind of books i think it should be like I mean, granted, this is, it's like a synonym, but, but I like the word, I like the word improvement. Ask yourself though, what's wrong with self, self help. And I just admit, I, I admitted that there is nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But ask yourself why though? Like this is the process because mm -hmm. I'm the same way. When I first heard self help book, I was just yeah. like, like, I felt bad. Like even that time, like I remember feeling bad cause I'm like, um, this isn't like, you know, done for you dummies book, right? No. I, and where I, where my reason why, cause I went through phases of like, I loved the topic of self-help, especially before, like I had found AA and I was trying everything under the sun. I was like, oh, I'm going to read all these self-help books, which none of them worked because I had a deeper rooted problem and it was alcoholism and I didn't know it until like I came to know it. So I think I felt disdain for it. And then I fell in, in love with that, the whole self-help thing again. And then I, you know, I go back and forth. And I think why I don't like the term self-help is because that name gets such a bad, I guess I don't like it because it gets such a bad rap because I see what I'm trying to, I can't even think right now with like my words. So the stuff that Erica goes through. Stigma. Yeah. So the, yes, there you go. Stigma. So you see the stuff that Erica goes through that she actually has a doctor and psychiatrists and psychologists have signed papers diagnosing with her. And this is kind of ties into who do you want your kids to be influenced by? You see all this BS on social media of all these social media therapists. They have no, no, um, 
credentials whatsoever. And it's like, oh, if you do these, if you do these five things, you probably have ADHD. If you do these five things, you're OCD. Yeah, but it's the kind of marketing that I don't like because it's an actual problem that people have and that people battle with, and they promote self. Yeah, and they promote self help stuff, and it's just like that's where I get like back into that phase of like, I hate the term self-help because I see the snake oil people, snake oil salesman people. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like get the fuck off social media. Actually go get help for this because there is real help out there. And people are like, Oh, here, take my checklist. It'll help you with your morning routine. Make sure you get up at 4am and do a cold plunge. It's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, I'm banging my head on my mic thinking about it. Like, <laughs> But um, so yeah, it's that stigma I got, though. I mean, cause you just said it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you literally just said like the issue and mm-hmm. it is, it's a negative, negative stigma on self-help. And if you reflect and you think like whoever's out there listening to this right now, like ask yourself, what's your age? And then ask yourself, what period of your life in decades are you in? So ages 1 to 10 is first decade, 10 to 20 is the second, 20 to 30 is the third, 30 to 40 is the fourth, and so on. And then you reflect back in decades how your life has changed. And if you are improving or staying the same or getting worse. And for me, when I really looked at that in my third decade, 20 to 30s, um, I was a lost soul. I was trying everything I can to figure out my life. And everywhere I looked, people were, I felt like, I felt like, right, this is a limiting belief. I felt like they was throwing sand in my eyes everywhere I went, right? Um, you know, in air traffic, like it wasn't to me, I wasn't satisfied stopping and just being a controller. So I pursued the supervisor route. And then Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was the first one in Greensboro in a long time. I don't know when the last one that actually went to the air traffic leadership program thing. And then I, how many people went after, Mm -hmm. right. But then because I went, I actually spoke with the vice president of the FAA. And I quickly realized that's not for me either, you know? And then that's when I fully committed to this, these other things that I'm doing, but like it was constant, but the whole time, everybody that I was surrounded by was throwing sand in my eyes. I I did not feel welcomed. All right. I like, I, I did not feel liked. Right. I felt all the time. Like that was just after me, you know? Um, and I think that was just part of it. I mean, but, um, looking this reminds back, me, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, just looking back at it, you know, like that's a story, like that's a journey. That mm-hmm. third decade of me going through those things allowed me to come into my fourth decade. And even though I feel like I'm still behind, I need to catch up. Like I've got to, I've got to work on my mindset. I got to reflect. I got to figure out a little bit about the now I got to, you know, I got my own issues to work on, but at the same time, like as far as accomplishment, um, I'm, I'm pretty good on accomplishment. Right. But I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. 
right? I don't know if that makes sure. sense. And like that's that's hard for me to explain. No, no, no. You know what it reminds me of is when I don't know if you experienced it, but I did. Definite of a purpose is what I'm trying to explain. Sorry, what I, is I, it? I'm gonna have to interrupt you. Definite of purpose. So like Napoleon Hill talks about this all the time. He's like, people need to find their definite of purpose. And that's what happened. Going into my fourth decade, whenever like we're talking about this transition, mm-hmm. I became clear over the last year and a half-ish that now I understand what my purpose in life is, right? And I am perfectly fine working from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, right? I'm perfectly fine my kids coming in and watching me do my thing or me leaving and taking my kids with me or whatever that is, right? Like my purpose is I'm solid on it, right? Like I I feel very, very positive that I understand where I'm going. Yeah, the the definiteness of purpose yeah 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 desire is the factor that determines that your definite purpose in life shall be that so what that reminded me of the throwing the sands in my eyes i didn't know if you experienced it in the military but i did it my last face when i was getting out i was like yeah i'm going i'm applying faa i'm going and every dod controller it didn't make sense so every DOD controller that was there was prior military. Half of them didn't even retire. And they were telling me, hey, you better, I think you should stay in. You better be careful. The grass isn't always greener. Oh, man. And it's just like, why? Like, if it's, if this is my choice, like, why can't you just be supportive? Even if you don't agree to say, hey, best of luck. Dude, I told, I told, I, I don't want to say, I don't know if I said his name before, but I won't say it this time. So when old boy resigned and went to go fly from Greensboro, when he left, he, nobody saw it coming, you know, you know, I was like, as much as I dis, I had disdain in that man and I could have wished him the worst of luck. I just shook his hand and I said, Hey man, best of luck. Yeah. And that was it. I did it right before, right. In, and I went to his going away party and meeting at the, in the building. Yeah. And I was just like, Hey man, best of luck. But like it, it just it blows my mind, and you know what was crazy is the people the DoD um, controllers were all in, I knew a um, uh, thing about three of them before they had crossed over to the DoD world from military, and they were all in positions of leadership, yeah. and they're just like you should stay in, and it's like you're not wearing the stripes anymore. Why should I listen to you? Yep. So I've got. Dude, I've got a turning point for me that uh, I, saw so, the, I saw the smile coming on your face. I was like, he's got something he's figured out or he wants to share. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, you talk about pivotal moments in my life, man. This, this one's huge. Um, so I am four years in on my six year enlistment and um, I get my, I've never been deployed. Right. So like the, my entire uh, list, uh, service was at Nellis Air Force Base in, in Nevada, uh, in Las Vegas. And anyway, it was really exciting whenever we got deployed at Nellis because it takes like three years to get checked out there. And mm-hmm. like, once you get checked out, like you're, you're almost stuck, but then around your fifth and sixth year mark, you get normally a chance to, to move. Right. Or you mm-hmm. move up. Right. Like that was just the pattern that everybody went through. 
Well, my fourth year, I got um, orders for a deployment. And I also had my first child on the way. No. Haley. Yeah. And I had a chief master sergeant, which is which is an E9. Yeah. Highest enlisted rank right in the Air Force. And uh, he was our uh, chief in like the con- controller. So like we was like, I was at work and like his doors right here, right? Yeah. Like, right next to us, you know? And, and we had a really good relationship. Amazing man. Um, I really respect this man um, forever, but like I had a conversation with him that completely flipped like my viewpoints on a lot of things and really gave me an eye uh, opening. And um, it was him. And then I had Mark who was a civilian who was a retired chief who became a D uh, controller. And I had a lot respect for him too. A lot of respect. These two men who I had dramatic respect for, I can't express how much respect I have for these two men. And I looked up to them. I looked up to them so much for guidance, man. Like I cannot stress how much that was. Lori's pregnant. I receive orders. Me and Lori's like in shock because the day I was supposed to ship out was about 10 days prior to Kaylee being born. Always happens. Always, right? Mm-hmm. So I was stressed out. My supervisor, um, she didn't mention anything either, like no guidance or anything. And anyway, I found out that you can turn down one assignment with no repercussions. Mm-hmm. Meaning what the the thing that everybody said was if you turn down one assignment, then you can't ever re-enlist. Like that option's gone. Right. You can turn it down, but like you're not going to be re-enlist. But actually, what the rules state is you can turn down one assignment and you can re-enlist. It's, there's no re- repercussions. So anyway, I found this regulation and I immediately go to the chief. And you know, I talked to Mark too, talked to both of them. Anyway, I'm sitting there talking to the chief. And I asked him, I was like, man, like, I'm really, like, thinking about why I should go to Korea because that's where I was going, right? It was Korea where everybody goes. Um, <clears throat> and he's like, listen, this is a life, once-in-a-lifetime experience. You won't regret it. I was like, chief, my first daughter is going to be born 10 days after I leave. <laughs> he's like, listen, there's nothing better than, like, your first assignment. I'm telling you, you would never regret it. And he tells me his stories of him going to Korea. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like, Chief, my daughter is going to be born <laughs> like right after I leave. That means my wife will have to have the baby by herself. Um, the entire first year I will miss of my daughter because of a deployment and experience that I'll have in Korea. Mm-hmm. And the pivotal point was, is be careful who you look up to because they always have an initiative. They always have a reason behind their advice. And his initiative and his reasoning was he didn't want me to turn that down that deployment because it was mission first. Right. Same thing with Mark. Right. They both told me the same thing. And like from then on out, dude, it was just like, mm-mm. like You're I there. need to learn how to make my own decisions. Their values didn't align with yours in the end. Not only their values, yeah. I mean, you could definitely say their values, but 
I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you're you're 100% right. Like, their values did not align. But I mean, that, you didn't know that at the time, I don't think. But looking back at it now, it's like you – they. Well, what got me was is whenever I went to him and I told him that, hey, I can turn down one assignment and still re-enlist. Like, I'm not closing that door. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, but the first couple of conversations when I went, that advice was never offered. That option yep. was never offered. I was forced to go out and get it on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh we had a similar situation where I think I think I was next in line. I was being groomed to be a crew boss, and for military standards, uh, crew boss is essentially the leader of however many people are on your crew. I think I had twenty five underneath me. I was the twenty sixth person, and there was one kid there that people are just like, he's lazy. He doesn't do nothing. It's like, bro, he's got like five kids. Why is he trying to do anything? You know, at work, like he wants to go home to his five kids, you know, and his wife. And I, I, you know, and the thing was, is like, if he, when I became crew boss and he had anything going on, I was like, go ahead, buddy. Like you you can get out of here. You know, I'd I'd kick him out like 30 minutes prior so he could be there to get his kids out of school. Like see that. Cause it's like, I saw that was important to him, you know? Yeah, he found out he found through looking through all the AFIs and all the regulations that you can base a preference BOP without having to do like a short tour like you were doing in Korea. And he did. He went into the the virtual MPF and the website and put his BOPs in there. Dude got picked up, went down to Florida like Tyndall in like his fifth out of six year. And he went down there and people were like, that's not fair. He didn't go to Korea. It's like he used the rules. Yeah. You know, and um, people are, it's crazy. dude. I got so many stories where people would just try to hold you back because they think they know what they know. Right. And yeah, I said that like they think they know what they know mm-hmm. because like they got their information from. It it really it really bothers me that the people that I don't get me wrong there was plenty of good leaders that I experienced in the military. Mm-hmm. My buddy Rick, we called him the silent assassin. Rick was a master sergeant in E seven, and he I don't think he ever got rated. He just got there, and just went and did like assistant chief stuff. And they he, they just were like, yeah, just get clearance, like you'll be fine or whatever. Because yeah. Rick knew the books page by page. But he was also a compassionate person. I still talk to him to this very day, like yeah. almost almost once a week. And, you know, he's a huge nerd. Like we just clicked. He's like in his mid 40s. And like, he's like, hey, did you read the Stephen King novel? And I'm like, you like King too? And I'm like, I'm like 25. And he's like, you know, late 30s. I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. And, but he looked out for you, but would also not be afraid to correct you and put those master sergeant stripes on when he needed to. But when he didn't need to, he was a very good um, informal leader. Yeah. And I modeled, I modeled myself. I mean, I was a drunk piece of shit most of the time in the military. But when it came to being a crew boss, I modeled myself after him a lot. Yeah. And I remember one time they did a survey at work and because people were complaining about morale. Mm-hmm. And they did a survey and they said, who thinks that morale is good on your crew? Or something like that. And everybody, even the trainees, said that they thought that they were having a good a good time at work, essentially. Everybody on the other crew said they didn't want to come to work. <laughs> and I was the I was the crew boss of the the group that everybody wanted to come to work. 
Nice. Because I did. People saw me by example. Even my roommate, he was uh, he was a rank below me, and he used to try to take advantage of me all the time. And I was like, Dennis, no, man, like you're not going to be doing that. I was like, I'm your boy, and like we go out and party all the time. But when we're at work, like if you show up like a, a second late, like you're going to pay for it. You're running Sims all fucking day. <laughs> and I did, and he learned real quick that it wasn't Kevin at work, you know. Mm. But at the same time, like, and. And that, that's the one thing I think that I really took away from the the military was the 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 way to lead people when put in certain situations. Um, even when I deployed and I didn't do air traffic over there, I was working with like the spec op guys. Um, even I was put in positions as a E five to to take on these leadership roles, and I wish I I don't know because. You talk about you talked about turning down orders. I turned down orders in as a career airman, so I had I had reenlisted. And if you reenlist once and you turn orders down, like you can't reenlist again. Yeah. So like that's what I did. I had orders to to Honduras actually, and that girl I was gonna I wanted to marry at the time, which didn't work out. You know, the one good thing she did for me <laughs> at the time. Um, I say that as a joke, um, but I love you, Erica. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know we got a little off topic there towards the end, but, uh, yeah. What time is it? Eight o'clock. Yeah. I gotta be, we gotta be wrapping this up. I need to get to bed, dude. I thought about it. Listen to this. So we're on the ninth. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12. I have 13 more shifts left at Greensboro. Nice. I know. Dude, you know what's crazy? Like speaking of leadership qualities, real quick, I already can tell that the people at Raleigh care more about what goes on in that facility, just solely from getting a text message from the union rep there. Like when the the day that I found out, I got approved. He goes, "Hey, I know you're not." He goes, "Hey, congratulations! I know you're not a part of our our work our facility yet, but on the ninth, we're having a Christmas party on December 9th. You can come." And I was like, I know. I was like, I mean, yeah. I knew I get, nobody. You know, I don't. I guarantee Greensboro's uh, environment will, will shift for the better now, for sure. Dude, it's it's shifted since Myers took over. He's already like raising hell with dumb shit going on. Yeah, that's all but, I take. Yeah. man. get rid but, of that apple. But but yeah, we'll close this out. Yeah. Anyway, as always, this is where my hands go all the time whenever I close out. And I don't know why. I'm going to practice not doing that. Whatever. Anyway, um, thanks for uh, tuning in to the Saturday New Dad City episode. It is always with Eric. It will always be with Eric. Maybe we'll get some more people on. Who knows? Um, but anyway, if you liked this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you. Go to the Instagram. New Dad City is the handle. Hit that follow button. This video will be uploaded. There it is on the screen. You see it right there. Write it down. You can't misspell it. Screenshot it. If you uh, want the video form, youtube.com backslash at New Dad City. Do not forget that at symbol. I don't know why YouTube does it. Shame on them, but you have to do it now. And the podcast is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you happen to be on the YouTube channel, you can go. There's... What are we on now? I think 65 episodes. Dude, never thought it would get this big. But anyway, 
Um, on a more serious note, I really appreciate you guys coming out and supporting and listening. It really means a lot. It, it gets the message out there to people who are lost, don't know where they're going in life. I sure as hell didn't before I started this podcast. Eric has been a big, huge uh, positive influence on me with that, with getting this podcast up and running and and the marketing on it and everything. So if there's one thing that I hope you guys can take away from this is that you aren't alone. Somebody out there is struggling just like you. And if you notice that person, take any episode that you found helpful and share it to them. And also drop that five-star lighting, uh, five-star rating on the show. It helps us out and pushes the information out there. So more people like you who are struggling or have no knowledge on any topics that I talk about helps to get out to them. But anyway, y'all take it easy. Have a blessed day.